This week's podcast brought to you by Fun. Just yesterday, I was at the grocery store and I was checking out and a gentleman came over and he said, Rebecca. And um, I said, yes. And he said, I was taught by your dad. And then we had this nice little conversation. And then at the end, he said, I'm sorry to call you by your first name. I don't know your married name. To which I responded, my first name is still my first name. Since our last podcast, we as a family took a fun journey to New York City, to Brooklyn, to the Barclays Center. I had never been there before. Have you ever been there before? Uh, yes, but not for not not inside. I I was there to do something on Brooklyn itself. Um, I went to the site of the former Ebbets Field, which are now apartments, and went to the Barclays Center before a playoff game. Um, had interviewed Vin Scully. Prior to that, he was the Dodgers announcer in Brooklyn. Obviously, moved with him to L.A. and I asked him when he had last been back to Brooklyn, and he told me. He had never been back to Brooklyn since his last Dodger game he broadcast there in 1957. There was nothing there for me, he said. So anyway, that's crazy. Carry on. Um, well, there was a lot there for us. It was exciting. The the New York Liberty um, did a week long celebration for um, so to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the WNBA and uh, had events all week long. We could only go in for Wednesday, where we went to a New York Liberty against Phoenix Mercury game. It was great fun, though. I got to see Teresa Weatherspoon, um, Tamika Whitmore, who Tamika Whitmore I have not seen since she was playing in the WNBA. You know, we were teammates in New York, and then I covered her when she was with Indiana Fever and with the Connecticut Sun, but I haven't seen her since she was a player. So it was great to see her, Crystal Robinson, Kim Hampton, and then they had some players who played for the Liberty after I was there, Swin Cash, Ashley Battle, Catherine Craveld. Anyway, it was um, Lisa Willis. It was a really fun um, reunion. We we were in a, like, we got to the arena a couple of hours before the game. And I remember thinking, gosh, you know, the game doesn't start till seven and we're going to be here at five. You know, I mean, that that time flew as we were all just chatting with one another and reminiscing. And, um, and once you guys finally got into the arena, because I went over earlier than you to do, um, to do something and you got dropped off outside. Um, with our kids and couldn't get inside. <laughs> it's usually how it goes for us at these kind right. of events. Um, and it, it, because of the restrictions in New York, you either have to be vaccinated or have a negative test to um, come in. Our 10-year-old can't be vaccinated yet, so she got tested. You know, So you guys waited outside, got in. She got tested. You got kicked back outside. Then again, couldn't get in. So it was eventually, her, eventually it, you got in. It was about her third test of the week, of the in week, fairness. Yeah. And so we were pretty confident that she was negative and we wouldn't put her in a situation if we thought, you know, she wasn't going to be safe and distance and all that. But uh, it was it was, it was, was a great night. We stayed overnight at the basically the Brooklyn Bridge off-ramp on, Brooklyn Bridge, on the, the Brooklyn Bridge Park there down in overlooking lower Manhattan. It was, uh, it was fantastic. It was a, just a fun, spectacular time. Our, our kids, um, all of them had a great time at the game. 
I don't remember the last time I was at a WNBA game as a fan where I wasn't calling the game. Um, and it was great. And uh, we, of course, I had the, they gave me the best seats in the house. I was courtside, like right at midcourt. First half of the game, our 10-year-old our sat with me. And then the second half of the game, our 15-year-old. Um, but it was it was such a fun way to watch a game. You can hear everything the players are saying, and even when you're when you're calling a game, you have the headset on and you have the crowd noise and the ambient noise and, you, and and the announce noise and the TV noise, and so you really don't hear the game the same way you hear it as a fan sitting courtside. Um, but it was Brittany Griner dunked. Um, Skylar Diggins Smith had a phenomenal game, as did Diana Taurasi. It was um, it was just a lot. A lot of fun. Kim Hampton sang the national anthem. Man, I f- like she would would sing the national anthem on occasion before our games, and um, we stood with her when she sang the anthem. And I just forgot what an unbelievably beautiful voice she has, and for her to still have the pipes that she has. Um, and I was saying that to her after. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, she can still real. She just blew it away. She was terrific." And um, and that was fun because, yeah, she would do that maybe once or twice a season where um, she would get out in center court and sing the anthem before we, we went out to play. And afterwards, she sang uh, karaoke on stage <laughs> with our daughter at an after party and uh, sounded phenomenal. Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. And I taught, told our daughter, our 16-year-old, who's not a great singer, would you say not even a good singer? She's a fine singer. I mean, she's nothing compared to Kim Hampton pipes. Well, I said you sounded great, and she said, my microphone was off. (laughs) And I said, oh, well, there you go. I think she said, too, she's like, and I was lip-syncing part of it. Like, but that's all, like... Just have the awareness. I was I was impressed with our daughter because, she, you know, she was the one who was saying, "Let's go up and sing. Let's 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 do karaoke." So it was '90s night karaoke, um, and she went up there with Kim and had stage presence. She was dancing and moving, and whether or not her mic was on or if she was lip syncing, you couldn't tell because all you need to be is into it when you're in karaoke, especially if you're with somebody who has a terrific voice, and. Um, and and she's as she's up there singing and dancing with Kim. We uh, I'm, I'm looking and, and I took video of it and I've got you know some of my former teammates just like with their hands raised, screaming and cheering and it was this really sort of surreal moment as I'm watching my kid up on the stage with one of my former teammates as other former teammates are cheering her on. It was um, it was great. What was your go-to karaoke song? My voice, my singing voice is so bad that I don't have a go-to karaoke song. I've never been, I never was like a big karaoke person. I think I would have enjoyed, I would have enjoyed the scene. But even if I was somewhere where they had karaoke night, I doubt I would have gotten up there and sang. I was saying that to like one of my former teammates when I was watching our daughter up there. I was like, man, everything I lack in terms of being fun, she fortunately has. Like she was up there having a blast. I wouldn't, even in like, my playing days, I don't think I would have gotten up in front of everybody and just sang and danced. You like have many. That. You have many great attributes. People know what they are, but you're not fun. Well, I'm not fun in that way. I think I'm fun in other ways. Are you saying that like with a question mark at the end, a period, or an exclamation mark? Are you saying you're not fun? Um, I think I'm fun. Yeah, let's say a question mark at the end. I'm not. You know what? Well, we've talked about this before. I'm not like as as moms go. I'm not a fun mom, and therefore I'm probably not a fun wife while I'm momming. But, like, I think my colleagues, when I'm away from the family, I think they would say I'm fun. Like, would for, you – well, go I ahead. Say, for the record, I think you're, you're, you're tons of fun. 
I or, was, or, or, or let me rephrase it, feet of fun. You're fun by the foot. <laughs> like before we had kids, I was, I, I would think I, I would describe myself as fun. Absolutely. We had a good time. I, well, I'm, nearly I'm, 17 years ago, you were, you were lots yeah. of fun. And, and like, I, I recognize and admit it because, you know, I would imbibe more in those days, um, a lot more. And once like we had kids and I was responsible for these little people, I'm, I'm a lot less fun. No but time. I am more fun when I'm when I'm not momming, when I'm away from the kids. And from prob- me. And from you. I am, I think. I hope. I'll, I'll, I'll have to take either your or your colleague's word for <laughs> right. it. Since I'm, I am, by definition, not there when you're fun. I know. It's awful. And I recognize it. And it's, But it's the truth. And I think it's sort of... I bet a lot of people morph into that. A lot of parents, like, when they're around their kids and they're dadding or momming, they're just not fun. But you're fun on the road <laughs> for work. Well, I haven't. There really hasn't been road. I, I'm, this is it. I'm fun on the road pre-COVID because, like, now you can't go out and do anything. So Also pre-marriage, you say. Uh, pre-marriage, fun. I was fun. So pre-children? Maybe was, no, no, not pre-marriage, pre-children. Like, but when we were married for a year or two before we had kids, I was still fun, wasn't I? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if memory serves, yes. So, and like I recognize it, I admit it. I think it's just the natural part of life. We've talked about this too. Like I don't necessarily want to be the fun mom. I want to be the strict mom, like in, in other kids' eyes. You know, that's just the choice I've made. <laughs> it was made for me by my mom and her mom before her. Well, I I, I, I think you're being a little hard on yourself and, and that you're you're more fun than you realize and and probably more fun than I realize. (laughs) Before we get off this topic, can we just say what a uh, delight, I I, I was going to say what a delight Brooklyn is, but um, you know, when I, when I moved to New York out of college 5,000 years ago, I think I went to Brooklyn about four times in four years, but um, but man, I, I I would have happily stayed there, not come home. Yeah, Brooklyn was Brooklyn was terrific. Um, and I'm gonna throw in like I'm I'm so encouraged by um, the new ownership of the New York Liberty, because they're certainly investing to get that team back to where it was in its heyday. You know, in those early days, we were getting up you know ten thousand plus fans at Madison Square Garden, selling out when we played the Houston Comets, and. Um, it's clear that they've made a commitment to um, get that team back. And, um, you know, it's going to take a little time on the court. They, they're they still in the playoff picture right now. But I think, you know, the investment that they're making on the other side and even just how they treated us and, you know, small things. Like they gave me a bottle of Jack Daniels with my name, like, engraved in it. They had those for all of the players there. They gave us these little gift boxes when we got there in, in the gifting suite. It, it's like... It just really, really nice and unexpected and appreciated. And um, I can see that certainly, especially because they're in Brooklyn, as we were just talking about, which is a great, great place to be right now. Um, I can see that. And has been for, for a long time. Yeah, it's but just the, I'm the saying the center in t- of the universe. For, in tubs, I'm just saying in terms of WNBA, right. you know, this is their first year. I think they played one game there two years ago. And then, of course, last year the season was in the bubble. Now all their games there. Like I'm in, t- in terms of WNBA, I can see that being a hot destination for When you were there, agents. they were at Madison Square Garden. But, but yeah. after that, they were in Newark. They were in Westchester County. 
they were wandering in the desert for yeah, many years. At the end of James Dolan's ownership, um, they were a wandering. And uh, anyway, it's great that they've got a, got a home and a phenomenal ownership group now. I just love that um, you, the queen of fun, uh, got a, a bottle of Jack Daniels with your name in, engraved in the bottle. I know. And, and back in my fun days, that thing would have already been opened. But now I'm going to I'm going to save it. Because that's what you do when you're a mom. Save it until you, you save it until you're on the road with you, work colleagues. Or worse, you save it until you're on the road and your kids are in college and they don't realize it's the special bottle, and then they open it and pour it out. Perhaps I'll open it and then I'll have to refill it with um, maple syrup or something. Right, watered down Diet Coke. But as with any uh, uh, Cinderella story, our our carriage turned back into a pumpkin. And we had to drive home to Connecticut the morning after that game. And our car was uh, mysteriously um, delayed in in the uh, hotel parking garage, the valet-only hotel delayed parking garage. delayed for about garage. Tw- like 20 minutes-ish? Mysteriously. Mysteriously. They, they kept guys on radio saying, you know, giving the ticket number again, and, and it just wasn't arriving. And it, it, viewers may recall that when we left D.C., our car wouldn't start. Did right. we talk about that on the podcast? We did, yes. Uh, so the same car, the same minivan, same minivan. So this time, anyway, the car finally arrived, double parked, idling, uh, cars uh, accumulating behind it, traffic, and so we had to jump in and, and take off mm-hmm. after greasing the valet guy. And as we took off, we realized that the mirrors were folded in, the side mirrors. I think, were they folded in or folded out? Because they're supposed to fold they in. Were, they were folded in or folded out. I don't remember. But they, they were, were not where you could were, see them. They were unusable. Unusable, yeah. And unfixable while we were getting on the BQE and the LIE and the Cross Bronx Expressway and the Bruckner and the Whitestone and the Throg's Neck and the 9,000 other bridges, yeah, freeways, and you tunnels. you change lanes right or merge. I was like a dog who had to stick her head out the window and look because the mirrors were unusable to you. They were unusable to me. I was just thinking about how I'm going to have to spend another day at the Honda dealership getting this next thing fixed after everything else, the blown tire, the everything that we've had to deal with. I'm, all I could think about was having to go there again for something else. And you actually called the dealership and said you were going to have to bring it in. What, what told them what the problem was? Yeah. Uh, the next day, when uh, I started the van, the mirrors that we had manually folded up just kind of folded in and slammed against the the windows. And so when I went to the grocery store and started the started the car again, they did that, and I had to stopped the car, get out, fold them back out. I got back in the car, started the car again. They folded back in. We didn't have electric mirrors that automatically folded or anything. We didn't know what was going on. The dealership confirmed that we didn't. I told them, I told the person exactly what the problem was. I said, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So made an appointment. And then the day, was it the day after or the night after you experienced the slapping of the mirrors when you turned the car on? Well, it was the, it was the day after because I we, was about to take the car to the dealership. You were in the car I was driving in the car, to the dealership. And I, as I go to back out, I look down where you can adjust the mirror. And where the power window buttons yeah. are. And there's a little button I've never seen before. With a, with a completely indecipherable icon on it. Yeah. 
So I pushed that little button. You said, what does, you, first you said to me, I was standing outside the car, you said, what does this button do? And I said, I've never seen that button before. So I pushed the button. What happened? The button. The button? The button made the mirrors fold all the way in. Like if you're pulling into a tight garage space or somewhere, push the button, it pushes the mirrors in. If you push the button again, it pushes them out and allows them to lock. So what had happened in New York is they, they, the p- person who valet parked the car, knew what that button did. They pressed it, which automatically unlocked the mirrors and let them come in. And since they never pushed it again, it didn't allow the mirrors to then lock. So they would go all the way out. And that was the problem. All I had to do was push that little button and then the mirrors could lock where they were supposed to lock. And you push it again if you want to and the mirrors fold in it solved the problem so i then got in touch with the dealership said we don't need our appointment anymore today because i found the button you fixed the car that fixed the problem and i'm thinking how why did the dealership tell me have you tried pushing the button well i said to you when 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 we last got a car i was given a tutorial on all the buttons and i don't remember half of it but at least i had some vague familiarity with the various buttons and I said, didn't they tell you when you got the little uh, tutorial um, how these things worked? And you said, no, you blew off the tutorial and you just picked up the car. Well, of course I blew off the tutorial. We've had the same Honda Odyssey minivan. Well, not the same one, but we had a, we've but, driven a Honda Odyssey forever. And so when we like when we lease and turn one back in and get the next one, I don't spend time getting the tutorial. I think. I know everything that the newer model but, does. We've had this car for going on three years. But there are countless buttons. And I didn't buttons. know about that you, button. Uh, that I don't know what they do. I've never touched them. I'd be afraid then to touch them in, them in mid-drive. I'd, like maybe one's an ejection seat. That would be nice. Um, especially if you were backseat driving, I could eject. A, a shotgun. Eject. But, um, but yeah, I didn't know. I've had this car nearly three years, and I've never even seen that button. Because if I had noticed it, I would have at least pushed it and said, gee, what does this do? But the other thing because you're I the done, kind of person who sees a button and it, especially if it says "Do not press," you you have to push the button to see what it does. I would in my fun days. I was going to say, but not anymore. Um, well, the other thing was I looked up in the owner's manual when we're driving home from New York. I pull out the owner's manual and I'm looking up like the side mirrors. There's nothing in the owner's ma- manual that mentions the button. So I anyway. There's probably people who are like, you guys are complete automotive well, morons, I'm, I'm, I'm and they're right. I, I, this podcast has been various things over the years. Um, for a while, it was uh, mostly talk about filtration systems, and uh, I think it's morphing into uh, the old car talk on NPR, mm. click and clack. The oh, we could Tappet only be Brothers. so lucky. Well, I mean, obviously, a, a terrible version of that but where we talk about car problems. Except that they knew cars and had solutions. We'd be the opposite. We'd just talk about the problem with no solution. Perhaps one of my favorite moments, though, was when we were driving home with with the mirrors unusable. We made it home. We made it home. Um, and we, we stopped. They were in a traffic jam, and we stopped at a gas station. Or no, it was a 7-Eleven to... Um, some kids need to use the bathroom, thirsty, hungry, whatever. 84 was backed up and, and ways had us get off the... Some side side street. In in uh, in Newtown. 
near Newtown. Do you remember what our oldest daughter got from the 7-Eleven? Legionnaire's disease? I don't know. Because <laughs> you had a nice little riff on it when we got back in the car. She got edible cookie dough. Oh, yes, edible cookie dough. That's right. And she was very happy with her purchase. In 7-Eleven, she was saying, look at this. They have edible cookie dough. And when she got in the car, she said, I got edible cookie dough. And I said, I have a policy in life not to purchase any food that is labeled edible. I like to think that that's the baseline, that that if I'm buying it in a store and it's food, that it's edible. If it says it's edible, it's answering a question that I didn't have in the first place, and now I'm leery of it. So I think she was regretting that she mentioned that because all she wanted to do was enjoy her edible cookie dough, and now you had her thinking, should I eat something that's labeled edible? But because Waze had us get off the congested interstate, everybody else got off as well because they also have Waze. So we were now on a backed-up side street, surface street, and... We stopped at 7-Eleven because somebody had to use the bathroom. They didn't have a public restroom. And I said, wanted to say to the guy, well, where do you go to the bathroom? When he suggested that there was a diner just down the road. So not too far down the road. We were, traffic was still backed up. And you were still looking for your iced coffee or your mochaccino or your frappuccino I don't drink any chinos. I was, I was looking for an iced coffee and a bathroom. You're, you're wearing chinos. I don't drink them. You're, okay. Um, and you were looking for a bathroom. So you and uh, I... I Drove past the Starbucks. I saw a Starbucks. You saw a Starbucks. I drove past it, and when when it was no longer accessible, I pulled into the parking lot of a garden center, and you and our two older daughters. No, just me just, and our son. Just you, you and our, oh, you and our son. He had to use the bathroom. Yes. Hopped over a guardrail mm-hmm. and scrambled down an embankment and went to I'd that Starbucks. I'd been telling you for you know actually I had not been telling you for a long time. I had just mentioned. I could, you know, I'm a little thirsty. I could go for a nice coffee. I said, you know, even if it's at a gas station, I don't care. So we went to the 7-Eleven. The one thing that wasn't working, it wasn't in working order, was there where they would be selling iced coffee. Um, and so then I down can't, the I street. Can't, if I may, I can't hear the phrase working order without thinking of the very old joke. Uh, what's worn under a Scotsman's kilt? Nothing. It's all in working order. <laughs> right. You've actually told that joke within the last month and a half. There's I don't know no how it have, came up. There's no way I have. I, I have not. If any of our completionists want to let us I've know which episode podcast? it was. On the podcast? It came up on the podcast, yeah. Well, you're the one who who triggered me with the phrase working order. <laughs> so so you, anyway, you were generally aware that the one thing I was um, wouldn't have minded was a, was a nice iced coffee. So then we're driving and we see the Starbucks right on the side of the road. And you drive past the entrance oh, to it my. and then pull into your, and, I, and as we go by it, I said, uh, you know, this doesn't access the parking lot. I don't care. I'm pulling in. And you did. And fair, in all fairness, we were able to get to the Starbucks by crawling over the guardrail. I so, thought I thought it would inject a little fun into your life. <laughs> oh, thank you. And uh, it was very sweet because when in, it was, I don't know, it, you know, early afternoon and um, as I'm waiting for my coffee, our sons are to use the restroom. Th- these two older women walk in, and um, the young girl working at the Starbucks, I just hear her say, oh, hello. Like, clearly, they're regulars, these two women. So I'm waiting for my, my drink, and the person puts it down. It just says, Rebecca. And I pick it up, and one of the older women said, I thought that was you. And, um, and she said, uh, 
I've not seen you at this Starbucks before. I've not seen you at this Starbucks, at this Starbucks before. before. Which I love because you know they have a, a sort of a field guide to the birds like checklist where they've been looking for you in various Starbucks around <laughs> well, Connecticut. Was, and now, okay, here we are, uh, Newtown Starbucks. Let's check that one. Oh, she's, she's, she's here. It was just really sweet because you can tell that they're there probably every day around the same time, these two, these two women. And I said, well, I've never been to this Starbucks before. I was just driving home. Um, my family were driving home from New York and just stopped. But um, And then they started asking me about the Liberty game and talking to me about UConn. And, um, and then as that's happening, there was only like four people in this Starbucks, a woman who's on her computer over in the corner. She just barely looks up but says, we graduated at the same time from UConn. And I was like, oh, hey, you know. Um, but anyway, these two women, I just, I loved the phrase. I've not seen you at this Starbucks and I, I just before. love that they, they could now put a little chip on their bingo card and then they can go off and look for Sue Bird at a Friendly's or Tina Charles at a Trader Joe's. Right. I, I wonder what combination of UConn players in, in various casual dining spots they have witnessed. I'm sure plenty. Yeah, could be. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass. It's been a week of you uh, as a spectator, as as a basketball spectator, something that you're you watch more basketball than than anybody else on earth, but you never watch it from uh, as a fan. Yeah, it was well when we were at the Liberty game. Um, a couple of our kids are, said to me, "When can we come back? When when we can when can we go to another WNBA game?" And um, so a couple days after we were in New York, the Connecticut Sun were playing at home. And um, I said to the girls, there's a game tonight. Do you want to go? Yes. And then um, I asked our son, do you want to go? And he's like, sure. And so all six of us went and watched them play the L.A. Sparks. And um, the kids had a blast. It used to be our 10-year-old um, in previous years, if, if, if she went to a game, she would tire out or tire of it by what? Like halftime at the at the latest tip off depending yeah. on what time we got there and sometimes and sometimes she'd be like oh you know there's a whole nother half because typically I, I do a handful of connecticut sun local broadcasts a year and um and so if if any of the kids came to me with those they'd they'd go with me so they'd arrive two hours early and by the time the game started they would have been there a while but uh anyway like the kids had a blast i had a Great time. Well, our our, our ten year old had been to a game a week earlier. Loved the loved the game in Brooklyn, but had been to a Sun game yes. a few days earlier. That, I, the that I was working. The yeah. halftime show was from her favorite show, America's Got Talent. A guy uh, who balanced on basketballs along with his, I think it was a Chihuahua who, but that also could walk on its on hind legs, holding a like a. A stuffed basketball a, and then slam it through a hoop. It, it was an AGT act with a dog. I mean, this was nothing could be more in her wheelhouse. So when she was at the, the, both at Brooklyn, her big question was, what's the halftime act going to be? In fact, it was Crystal Robinson being inducted into the Liberty Ring of Honor. So there were a lot of speeches and things. And then, and then at the Sun game on the way there, when she arrived, even before the game when uh, – when you were talking to Jen Rosati, the Sun president, I walked by to hand hand the I was sitting somewhere else and to hand the kids uh, rosters, and I heard um, you or or our youngest asking about the halftime show yeah. as if that were the top of uh, 
top of the mind for for Jen before the game. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's our daughter asking because that's that's part of it. Um, but anyway, we we went to the game and had a blast. And they're asking me again. You know, when's the next Connecticut Sun game? Because that's the the arena that's closest to us, and uh, that's not till mid September. But it was fun. Our kids have kind of caught the WNBA fan bug. And um, it was interesting, too, because at one point... Not, not, not literally. Right. Let's say right. under these circumstances, <laughs> right. everybody's getting their... They're, they're uh, showing their vax cards, right. getting right. their temps taken, getting wristbands that show they're, they're vaxxed. But, uh, but metaphorically, they're catching the WNBA fan bug. At one point, I tweeted something out about being at the game, and I had somebody reply to me saying, I thought I saw you in line to get a pizza, but I thought... Frank Pepe. Frank Pepe pizza. But I thought, um, that person looks just like you, but they're not tall enough. And then I realized it was your daughter. And then what was it like? Jeans are an amazing thing. Jeans are a hell of a thing. Um, Speaking of that, there's a a 50th anniversary issue of Connecticut Magazine that, that people have sent us pictures of. I haven't gotten the magazine yet, but the cover of the 50th 50th is these Connecticut icons. There's you and your UConn 50 jersey. There is... Frank Pepe, the uh, iconic New Haven and beyond pizzeria. Ron Francis, the great franchise player of the of the Hartford Whalers. Uh, Martha Stewart, um, former Governor John Rowland in in, uh, in prison attire, prison jumpsuit. So um, and 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 of course a, a traffic clogged ninety five. So so anyway, congratulations on that, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm just going to bring this up one more time because you we mentioned being in New York and around my former teammates. And then when I saw Jen Rosati, who was my teammate for three years at UConn, it's like all that is right and good with team sports because, you know, when 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 we were together with the Liberty, the season was a little shorter then. You were probably together for four months, but in those four months, you spent all your time together. We lived in a in this it was called the Southgate Tower at 31st and 7th, which was just like longer term stay hotel rooms, hotel rooms with a little kitchenette, and um and most of the team was there. Some of them were were in a different hotel a few blocks away, but you you're with those people like all the time and you develop kind of this not only this friendship but you this family feel and then when the season's over you players would go overseas and you'd go back to your other life and um you know and then you get back together the following year and some of the players are the same and some of them are different and you go through this experience again and you have this like incredible bond and and anyway 25 years later you're in a room with these same people some of them like I said with Tamika Whitmore I hadn't seen in ages and you fall right back into that um, great family feel and uh, telling the stories of, of the moments. And it was never about the games. It was about the moments uh, off of the basketball court. And um, it just reminded me of all that is good and right and awesome about team sports. It's that that second family and those bonds that you have. And uh, whether a kid's in playing fifth grade soccer or high school sports or whatever, um, it's magical. And, uh, and I'm glad at least, you know, along the way in youth sports, our kids have had a chance to experience that to a degree. You talked the whole way home and for a couple of days after uh, about not just how great it was to see your teammates, but so many memories of being on buses as we were in Brooklyn and being in locker rooms and being on planes and hotel lobbies as we were. Um, it, it, and just, you know, there's something about 
I know every corporation, every office calls themselves a team now, you know, part of the team and they have team building exercises and stuff. It's not the same no. as being on a team where there's a scoreboard and um, and all the off-court stuff because, it, you know, you you work now in an environment where you're in arenas and, and whatnot and you're fun with your with your work colleagues, but it is different from from being on an athletic team. Yeah, there's, and I think part of it is like there is physical discomfort or in some cases with injuries, pain that you go through together with these people all for this one common goal that for everybody other than the team that wins the championship, you fail to achieve. But all those little moments along the way where you have successes, it, there's just there's something different and special and great about it. And um, anyway, just just seeing all those guys made me like make a renewed commitment to myself to, you know, be better about keeping in touch with them and all of that, because um, just, you know, a moment in time of your life when you were fun. And uh, it's and Adele when we were young, only when in your we case, it's when we were fun. Exactly. I was supposed to be in New York then for um, this week. I had been asked by SI to do a first week of the U.S. Open piece that I was really looking forward to on, um, you know, this felt like the last time we would get to see these uh, giants of, of tennis for the last time in one place competing. And that, of course, is Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams. And when Federer announced a couple of weeks ago that he was, wasn't was going to play in the U.S. Open because he's injured. Uh, I thought, well, that that's the guy I would most like to see one last time, but whatever. it's it's almost makes the point that, you know, the days are numbered for all of these tennis greats in one place. And then Nadal withdrew shortly after that, and Serena shortly after that, Venus as well. And <laughs> we were left with Djokovic, who's the tournament favorite, win the uh, calendar Grand Slam, uh, all of that, which is great. But that's not the first week of the open story that I was planning to go down there to do. So I'm not down there, and I'm not doing it. I'm watching and following it and, and enjoying it. But um, as you t t say this, I, I look over in the basement where the kids have some of their old toys, and I see the big yellow tennis ball that we got. Was that 2003? I, I'm not sure, but we, when we, we were at the U.S. Open, yeah, we went we went to a night session. I remember you and I at the Open, and uh, it was like a Friday night. The night sessions, especially on the weekends, um, you know, those people are have been drinking. They've usually taken a town car from Wall Street or something, and uh, and I remember there was plenty of heckling, but also uh, a lot of uh, a lot of banter between you and some of the uh, some of the rest of the crowd was i being fun you were being fun there's a lot of big east rivalry stuff half the crowd had gone to st john's or villanova or syracuse or some other big east school and there was a lot of uh intercollegiate i don't remember going on. any of that well that's, that's no I, but i believe you 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 have you have a much better memory of I'll some be of those the things institutional memory of this of this marriage you will let's get to viewer mail shall we we shall Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your pure man. 
Hello, CT crew, writes Roger. First, hope the hurricane didn't cause too many problems. I remember when Hurricane Gloria hit New England back in the 80s, and Rebecca might remember it from when he, when he was just a kid. I think he means she. Mm-hmm. The best thing about it was that every radio station was playing the song Gloria for the two days while the storm was bearing down on us. It turned out to be a pretty much non-event for most of New England, but still, it was a hurricane. I love that, the fact that uh, they were playing Gloria on the radio. <laughs> right. We should bring that up, too, because last week we talked a lot about, you know, preparing for the hurricane and then it not coming and, you know, acknowledging how fortunate we were, especially with what's going on down in New Orleans and Mississippi and Louisiana in general, that um, we certainly were not complaining that the hurricane, that Hurricane Henri did not cause more damage up here. And and I've just read today that, uh, or that uh, the remnants of Hurricane Ida will be dropping a ton of rain on us in the next couple of days with more potential flooding. Obviously, we're, we, it's nothing, but um, but the weather is getting weird. The Washington Post had a story a few days ago. The eyes, the letter I, by far, have had the most devastating hurricanes over the decades, almost exclusively because of where in the alphabet, you know, it coincides with hurricane season. Mm-hmm. Um, that done, I'm writing about your phone discussion, which brought back memories of the old landline days, writes Roger. How many people remember the great tricks you could do with those old phones? Nerd alert for what's ahead. First, if you had more than one phone in the house and you had younger siblings, you could have fun by dialing a certain code that was called the ringback code and then hang up. Your phone will ring every landline in the house and you can pick up and use the phones as a built-in intercom or if you wanted, convince your younger sibling you are someone like Santa Claus and they're in real trouble. By the way, this still works if you have the right codes. I remember that. For us, it might have been like 211 or something like that. There were all kinds of weird secret handshakes that... um, But yeah, I I totally remember as a kid knowing that that there was one that you could dial to make your phone And also, if you had multiple phones, you could just pick up and listen to somebody else's conversation. Right. I mean, you had to hold down that little thing that the the handset rested on. You'd hold that down and just gently lift it up so it it didn't alert the person. And then cup your hand over the... uh, the receiver. Another fun thing, writes Roger, was dialing a phone if you had a broken dialer. Don't ask again, younger siblings. You could simply hit the hang-up button on the phone X number of times for each number. Of course, you might have several misdials, but it was always fun to show off your skills on how you could dial a phone without using the rotary dial. I remember that as well. Anyway, I had a friend whose dad worked for Ma Bell at the time, and he had all sorts of tricks he taught him, and we had more fun than we probably should have had with some of those things. Of course, now there are a lot of worse things you can do with cell phones, which those of us past 30 know almost nothing about, but we certainly kept ourselves entertained in the old days with some simple tricks. Still riding my bike and waving in Colorado. Roger, thank you, Roger. Yeah, the uh, I still have, I've mentioned before, a rotary dial phone that works in my office uh, here at home, banana yellow. Uh, you know, you would unplug the, the the handset and cord from the phone itself. This is when we were kids. With the we had the wall mounted banana yellow phone, and then you'd hold the uh, the end of the cord and let the handset just twirl around. Yeah. You know, like a, a guy uh, trapped in a in a in a vine trap, and uh, until it spun itself out, and then the cord would be kind of uh, untangled again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Enough of that, Rebecca. Moving on, uh, Rebecca and Steve writes, Completionist Carl, just curious what podcasts, if any, do you listen to? By the way, uh, my daughter told me she checked on your mental health while you were waiting for AAA. Uh, indeed, I, I have to say, and I meant I meant to text our friend Carl that uh, his daughter did indeed check on my mental health while I was waiting for AAA. Uh, a high school kid drove by, saw me in... Uh, probably some mental distress, and 
came back to see if I needed anything, which was You immediately texted me and told me that she stopped and how appreciative you were for that and said, let's make sure our kids know that if they ever see someone they know on the side of the road that they too will then stop. But yeah, we appreciated that. Rebecca, what podcast do you listen to? I know you listen to the Daily, Daily, don't you? I used to. I don't listen to podcasts nearly as much as I used to. I think now um, that school's about to start again and I'll have that little bit of a commute, but one of the podcasts I listen to, I try to, and it's about the right length, is the Daily Podcast from the New York Times. And you've wondered out loud, uh, we have, how the pandemic COVID-19, the pandemic, changed podcast listening habits, particularly listening to ours because people weren't commuting. They weren't in the car. Uh, they're not used to – some people say they clean house while they're listening to it or something, but um, usually it seems to me to be a you're-in-the-car right. kind of habit, right? Yeah, I sure. listen to Conan O'Brien's uh, – Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I was listening to an episode yesterday, um, and uh, I've liked Rob Lowe's podcast – just interviewing really the same people that Conan interviews, but um, usually comedians, entertainers. Um, that's about it for me. Oh, Carl just adds, uh, by the way, if you're looking for worse customer service, try StubHub. Three-hour wait to speak to customer service, and why in the world do they wait until the day before to issue tickets purchased months earlier? Months earlier. I, I, I have had no experience with StubHub. I don't know if, uh, but Carl was not, not impressed. Thanks, Carl. John sends a, um, sends a screenshot from Twitter, someone on Twitter who writes, watching people take repeated tequila shots at an airport bar at 8.35 a.m., is there any better place to take stock of the human condition than an airport? Well, this has been a theme of the, of the podcast, not just day drinking or early morning drinking at the airport, but the human condition at the airport generally. You know what those people might be described as? What, what, what fun. Fun. Absolutely. <laughs> 8.30 tequila shots, a.m., probably fun. At 11 a.m., probably not as fun. Not, not nearly. <laughs> those, <laughs> people, even at, those people. Even at 10 a.m. when they board the flight, probably not nearly as fun. Well, you've been uh, frantically searching for uh, clothes that fit our son as he goes back to school tomorrow. Yeah, school uniform. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's that horrible time of year for kids when you have the back-to-school commercials and and then the actual back-to-school They had a meet and greet today where they dropped off their school supplies. Rachel writes, uh, apropos of this, her email is headed end of summer, Mm. which I think bums us all out, right? Good morning, Rebecca and Steve. Here we are in August, and I can't believe the summer is almost over. What a summer it's been. Capped off by the amazing Olympics. I always joke that I have an addiction to the Olympics, but it's 17 days long and goes away all by itself. My 14-year-old son thinks I'm absolutely crazy when it comes to my Olympics obsession. One evening, I had eight devices. Two devices were in split-screen mode watching 10 different events. I love watching and supporting the USA, but I love watching all of the events and all of the athletes. Thank heavens for NBCOlympics.com and summer's off for teachers. As a sports fan and someone who has a deep and abiding love for the country of Japan, there are many amazing moments. Here are a few, Rebecca, and there, there are bullet points. I like, what did we say we're going to call them instead of bullet uh, I, points? I forget. Okay. Rubber bullet points? <laughs> Nerf bullet points. Nerf points. Nerf bullet points. Here we go. Watching Hideki Matsui escort the torch with Sadaharu O, oh, two great Japanese ballplayers. Sadaharu O, oh, of course, as any kid growing up when I did knew, was th- was the Japanese home run king, had hit more homers than Hank Aaron, but in Japan. Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually see them. 
Lydia Jacoby's win in the celebration video in Seward, Alaska. Allison Loved Felix that. winning the bronze in the 400 meters and the subsequent amazing 4x400 team gold. Australian coach Dean Boxall's reaction to Titmus <laughs> winning gold. Watching the Ukrainian gymnast, which which uh, Titmus, the Australian swimmer, said she watched her coach's reaction to her winning gold in her hotel room and laughed for like, couldn't, couldn't stop watching and couldn't stop laughing at the absurd intensity of it. Perfect. Uh, watching the Ukrainian gymnast compete in her eighth Olympics, Qatar and Italy high jumpers sharing the gold, one of the great moments yes. uh, of any Olympics. Watching the Japanese surfer translate for the Brazilian that had just won their match. Uh, uh, Hidalin Diaz winning the first ever gold for the Philippines. I apologize if I mispronounced that first name. Australian boomers winning their first ever Olympic medal. What were some of your favorite moments from the 17 days? As always, thank you for the laughs, entertainment, and down-to-earth banter. Until next time, Rachel, resident crossword creator that needs to get work on creating another one. Rebecca, favorite Olympics moment? Hmm. Um, I mean, our kids, especially loved. our youngest, loved watching yeah. it. I mean, we we watched, they. it was appointment viewing every night, which is great. I am. Um, it's funny because, of course, I loved, I enjoyed watching the basketball, both the three X three and the five X five. Um, and then when we'd watch gymnastics, I liked hearing Terry Gannon because for years I called WNBA games with Terry Gannon as the play by play, and and he's now with NBC and the Golf Channel, and so he was kind of the voice of of um, gymnastics. I enjoyed that. Um, but our whatever our daughter was into. And um, near the end of the Olympics, oh, we, we, those early morning soccer games that were actually live and close. And um, was it the, the last preliminary round game where the, the women won in um, PKs? Yes. Exciting. Um, and the, I believe the Chinese diver, was she, the fort, was she 14? Yes. The one who had the perfect 10s. That was just unreal watching a kid yeah, that who's was, that our young. Kids, our, 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 especially our youngest, just mind blown by watching that yeah it's just the olympics just watching because i know um the sacrifice and the years of work that goes into that and um and especially for non-basketball players and in non in sports where there's not professional leagues like that's their one shot that is their one shot um and it's just it's incredible to watch White Castle is our next email. Dear Steve and Rebecca, but mostly Steve this time. It's Mike, your resident electrician, formerly from Ozone Park, New York, and now from our hometown here in Connecticut. We know Mike. Mike, my, my travels this week have taken me to six different states to work. And, of course, I thought of Steve today when I was in New Jersey. And after filling up at a Wawa, mm -hmm. I had to stop at White Castle for two of their delicious double cheeseburger sliders. Now, just think of that, Rebecca. Wawa followed by White Castle. I mean, this is... Uh, this is like a perfect day. Well, it's it's pretty good. Although I, I have not eaten at Wawa, we've only gassed up at Wawa. We didn't we didn't partake of the um, food offerings there. Although I understand they have edible. <laughs> I think they cookie do. dough. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of White Castle's beginnings in Wichita, Kansas, but I did not realize that in 2021 they are celebrating 100 years of belly bombers and even have a celebratory logo with birthday candles atop the castle. Like you, they were a staple of my youth and bringing and bring back memories of the occasional Friday night takeout with my family. I've attached a photo of my White Castle treat to make you jealous. Also, those punks that you flipped off while waiting for AAA, they deserved it. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I've, I've not You've gotten... Been I've your not actions gotten, have been validated. In, in Mike's sense, and I've not been to... Uh, physically been inside a White Castle this year. The bags have uh, are, are bedecked with 100th birthday um, logos because you only turn 100 once. And uh, and candles where the uh, the castle 
turrets go. Pretty uh, candles, I should say. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yes. Um, and then I think there's an oh, and then and then there's a uh, the marquee, um, the the marquee at this New Jersey White Castle reads Crave Clutch, only 1760. I believe that's the suitcase full of sliders mm. that um, that I can smell right now. But anyway, thanks, Mike. Great day. Um, Yes, Steve writes Tom. That was the Jefferson Pier you saw. I've always thought it looked like where the so this is this is the little mini, I mean super mini Washington Monument mm-hmm. in front of the Washington Monument. Yes, that was the Jefferson Pier. I've always thought it looked like where the lightning where the lighting controls for the Washington Monument would be. But yes, if you lifted it up, you might find the keys. L'Enfant's original plan for DC called for the Washington Monument to be the third corner of a right triangle formed by the White House and the Capitol. But the ground there was deemed too marshy for a tall obelisk to be put up, so it was moved a short distance away. If you draw a line from the Lincoln Memorial to the Capitol and another line from the White House to the Jefferson Memorial, they should intersect at the Washington Monument, but they don't. They intersect at the Jefferson Pier. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. The pier got its name because Jefferson felt that the U.S. should become the center of the world, literally, and that the prime meridian determining east and west, which now arbitrarily runs through Greenwich, England, I have been there, should instead run through, I've been to the prime meridian, that is, in Greenwich, should, should instead run through the United States, and that's where the line would be, on a line connecting the White House and the Washington Monument. Jefferson's plan did not catch on, but he did get a small stone marker for his efforts. Wouldn't it be interesting, Rebecca, if if there was a, a, some kind of a surveyor's uh, uh, error and it lined up in the in the prime meridian ended up lining up with the white castle <laughs> that that would be Wouldn't that be nice mm-hmm. we had a similar wasp issue writes tom in missouri some years ago with the wasps squeezing their way through a tiny crack to get into our house the problem was for them that the effort of squeezing into our home as desirable as it may have seemed prevented them from flying anymore so it was easy to swat them as they tumbled exhausted onto the windowsill we eventually sealed the opening they came through and an exterminator sealed it on the other side, leaving them trapped, cask of Amontillado style, inside our walls. Mm. I remember reading that in high school English. Our kids, and, re- uh, our, 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 oh. our eldest daughter read it last year in high school, cask yeah, of Amontillado. Was, what, my of junior a, year in high school, Mr. I Miller mean, was one of the whatever, best teachers I ever had. Man, that was terrifying. Terrifying. And Poe, you know, whatever, whatever Poe's sick bag was, why did they impose that upon... High school students. Like I still remember how terrified I was reading that. Yes, and now and now, Tom has articulated what 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 has had me a little freaked out during our wasp interlude, which isn't over yet, and that is they are trapped inside cask of Amontillado style. Yes. Oh. I can only assume they're all dead now, says Tom, because if they're not, they're probably pretty angry. So we 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 were carrying out about two hundred dead and uh, and uh, and or not and. Dead or disabled, or or uh, kind of uh, drunken wasps yeah. a day. Now it's trickled down to maybe a dozen. Yeah, double digits. Yes, I mean they weren't dead and drunk. That's what I've learned when I like when I'm in studio or calling games. You don't have the stat sheet right in front of you. Instead of being wrong and saying you know that person had 15 points, you just say or 15 rebounds or whatever it is. You don't. You're not quite certain. You just say double digit. Because then it's yeah, still impressive. Exactly, so yeah. yeah, so we've got exactly. double digit. It could be ten. It could be ninety nine. But we have double digit number of wasps each right. day now. That's like somebody has signed a seven figure contract. Right. It's either for a million dollars, or just or, under a billion. Or no, because that would be well. If they say at least seven figures, it could be a million or or an infinite amount of money. Yeah. Oh right, right. 
Okay, Ralph writes, Hi, Steve. A lot of rain seemed to be the theme for my family in Norwalk, Connecticut. Re, Henri, Re, Henri, R-E, colon, Re, Henri. And I'm glad that you all rode the storm out. Wikipedia listed over 20 songs with a variation for Jump in its title. I noticed when we were at the Sun game the night there were two jump balls. The first one was Van Halen's Jump. The mm-hmm. second one was was uh, Criss Cross's Jump, Jump. Yeah, there was only two. And on the first one, when they played Van Halen's Jump, I immediately texted Brendan, who was calling the game, and I just said, that's Van Halen, to which he responded, I now know. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny you say that. Ralph writes, poor Brendan has a lot of studying to do. Perhaps the two of you can comment on the Barclays Center's playlist as I was not paying that much attention. Uh, I don't think I was paying much attention to the and jump you know ball what, playlist. You know what our daughter noticed when we were at the Connecticut Sun game was there's a DJ there who's playing the music during dead balls and when they're walking the ball at the court, who I'm assuming also plays the um, jump ball music. So it's not somebody at the scores table. It's the... DJ up in the corner. Uh, I can also argue that uh, Steve was being gallant to wait for AAA to come. I cannot say whether Captain Daryl Dragon would have done the same for Tony Tennille. I can say she told him to hit the road after 39 years of marriage in 2014, but remained friends. The Wikipedia entry was not so crude. I can firmly assert that if Connecticut College ever plays Campbell University in any game, the Camels will win. I believe Campbell is also also the the Camels. Thank you, Ralph. Um, uh, ooh, uh, Matt, our resident West Hartford resident. Hello, Matt. Our resident West Hartford resident writes, Rebecca and Steve, I'm late in responding to the tandem bicycle discussion, but every time I hear Steve say, I'm the stoker, it makes me think of the Joker by the Steve Miller Band, and I end up singing in my head, I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight stoker. Yeah, me too. Whenever I hear that, I, I think of that song as well. I, 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 I play my music on the run, right? I get my loving on the run? I don't remember that part. I, I, I do both. Though being a midnight stoker would likely be dangerous, writes Max. Writes Matt. I'm sorry. Did I say Max? Just now, but originally you said Matt. Okay. My long my quote long suffering wife Carrie brought us a tandem bought us a tandem bike for my thirtieth birthday and we enjoyed riding it for several years before we had kids. Sadly we have not managed to ride it once since then and is now simply a space eater in our garage. What is it about having kids that takes the uh, the fun out of everything? That's what I want to see. I want to see a tandem bike with a tag along. So maybe they can just when their child is old enough to you know not have the training wheels but not quite old enough to be alone on the bike get a tag along for the tandem. It would still be a tandem, as we've learned, even though it'll be three. But get a tag-along right, for the tandem. Yeah. Tag-along for the tandem. Mm-hmm. I have to share one tandem bike story from our pre-kid days, writes Matt. We put the tandem bike on the roof rack on our car and drove out to Litchfield, Connecticut. <laughs> Does it require like a, an extra long, like a stretch limousine to do that? It will certainly couldn't have been like a little sedan. It was a smart car, it turns out. <laughs> That would be a delight to see. We put the tandem bike on the roof rack on our car and drove out to Litchfield. We had a great ride around a lake. As we were driving home and pulling into the driveway, we were talking about what a lovely morning we'd had and how nice the ride had been. We then proceeded to drive into the garage. (laughs) Oops. Forgetting that the bike was on the roof of the car. The bike survived, but the roof of the car took a beating. I hope to one day see you two out riding a tandem bike. Matt, your resident was hard for resident. Rebecca, when are we going to see that? My friend Dan in Milwaukee sent me a picture this week, texted me a picture of a uh, of a beautiful tandem bike in an antique shop. It appeared to be for sale, and uh, but that was in in uh, somewhere in Wisconsin. So um, I don't think a tandem bike is in our future, and I don't think it would have even been in our past when I was still fun. Like. 
just being on a tandem bike with you it doesn't would, sound all that appealing it would to be, me. It would be perfect because it would be no fun and, and perfectly in keeping with, with um, you know, our present day ethos. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ready for Dr. Siegel? I'm for DGS, ready the notorious for DGS. And, and Denny, just because it's been a little while, can we please, let's, let's throw in his walk-up music. All right, here we go. Uh, dear Rebecca and Steve, I can't begin to thank... Uh, by the way, the header is, it wasn't a chore this week. Almost TNTC coinkydinks. Okay, ready? Yes. I can't begin to thank you enough for the get-out-of-jail-free card should I miss a note to the podcast. Rebecca, I'm glad to be able to count you among the mothers who need to hear from me if I'm missing an action. That bunch of fine women includes Mrs. DGS, my stepmother, my mother-in-law, an aunt, my sister, and my daughter. It's nice to know that that all of those women also need to hear from him if they don't hear from him for a week. Right. So I think, does that put me sixth? As sixth long, in line to the throne? Yes. As long as I don't move down to seventh. Although I will when his granddaughters get old enough. But um, for now, I want to. I still want to be the, the sixth one if, if we to don't hear he- when he, I haven't heard. If we don't hear from, from Dr. Siegel for a week, we'll assume all is well. If Mrs. DGS doesn't hear from Dr. Siegel for a week... <laughs> That's she a might be concerned. Story. Yes. Or, or maybe elated. I, who knows? I remain both confused and amused with your Connecticut to the Cape and back again travels. It seems like you went from the frying pan into the fire. On the Friday night before Henri arrived, Brian Williams, the host of the 11th Hour on MSNBC, I'm paraphrasing, said, Stay tuned to your local news. I have a fondness for local newscasters as I started out as one. Wise impression advice, perhaps, and I thought of both your family and our Boston relatives as Henri approached. Thankfully, all is well in Boston and in Connecticut with our fine hosts. TNTC coinkydinks, question mark? What is TNTC? TNTC? TNTC. A quick uh, uh, check of TNTC internet slang. I, as close as I can tell, it stands for too numerous to count. Too numerous to count. I, in my brain, I was thinking, that's not the, and then what would the CV? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. He's going to tell me what TNTC is, okay? Oh, okay. In microbiology, if there are so many objects on a microscopic slide such that counting them is not really possible, e.g. white blood cells or bacteria come to mind, then the result is listed as TNTC bacteria, which means too numerous to count. I stepped on his his lab coat here. You did. By looking it up, as I always do. And I'm sure I've told this story, but when when we, we were getting married and I was walked up the aisle by my father and... And he presented me to you and gave the hand he was holding, my hand he was holding, and handed it to you. And you grabbed my hand, and I had to look at you and say, you're standing on my dress. And I've been doing and that even now you're, you're stepping on his lab coat after stepping on my dress. The and first words I said to you after walking down the aisle, and this is when the fun ended, I was, was you're say, standing in that, in on that, my dress. In that exact second, we can pinpoint when fun died. When fun died. And and I'll have to, I have to say it was all your fault. <laughs> Speaking of that 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 train of the of the dress, that long play, there was a player in the um, Sun Sparks game the other night who fell, hit the deck, and uh, a ball went up and, and Taya Cooper who and she plays got the rebound. for the LA Sparks. She got the rebound while while uh, supine on the floor, but her long braids were out of bounds. She was in bounds. The braids were out of bounds, and the ruling was out of bounds. Uh, yeah. So Connecticut got the ball. But yes, Taya Cooper, who played at a number of schools, including her last year, was at Baylor and is now playing for the LA Sparks. Uh, 
In podcast one is 179, there were almost TNTC coincidences between our lives. However, I was able to enumerate them presented by your humble servant in list form below. So these are enumerated, Rebecca, not nerf bullet pointed. One, congratulations in advance to Ryan Rucco and his wife on their pending new arrival. I would have been honored to have attended somehow, but that seems a bit impractical at many levels. No doubt the new mother and babe will be in fine hands. Two, Hurricane Henri allowed Steve for at least the fourth podcast in a row to use his magnificent French accent. I should say, our son and I went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, two days ago, and I asked him what he wanted. We were in the drive-thru, and he said, well, I want uh, sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant, but can you not say croissant? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'll say it however I want to say it. And when I got to the window, of course, I just said croissant. Uh, to, and he was grateful for that. Two, um Three, you had to hunker down for Henri, just as the Georgia Bulldogs football team hunkers down for the big plays. Four, your house was infested with yellow jackets, a la the Georgia Tech yellow jackets. But wait, there's more, quoting the recently deceased marketing genius Ron Popeil, writes Dr. Siegel. Steve, you watched Lester Holt on the NBC Nightly News, which, gasp, I record and watch most nights. Six, baseball. Steve is up to speed in all things Atlanta Braves. Yes, we're on a run of wins. Almost two recent losses to the Yankees. Absent two recent losses to the Yankees. But the team has had a fantastic August. Moreover, you even know that the Freeze was almost beaten in the Racetracks Beat the Freeze promotion at a home game last week. I didn't realize it was Racetracks Beat the Freeze promotion, but I'm glad to know who sponsors that. Seven, Connecticut College Tour. Along with our daughter and Mrs. DGS, I enjoyed a cold, snowy March day there in 2005. Our daughter, who wanted to go to college up north where it snows, ultimately graduated from Hamilton College in Clinton, New York. It certainly snows there. Isn't it funny? Like, we have people up here, they want to go to college down south. People in the south want to come up to college north. People in the Midwest want to go to college in New England. Our kids in New England, our oldest one anyway, wants to consider at least going to college in the Midwest. Eight, speaking of Alexander Hamilton, we enjoyed the show yesterday afternoon at Atlanta's Fox Theater, a magnificent performing arts venue dating to 1929, when in my youth it was a movie theater. Nine, and lastly, sadly, hurricanes are also a commonality, just as you had to prepare and deal with Henri. My son is working a 24-hour hospital shift in New Orleans, of of course. course. Sunday, as Ida passes nearby and I type away, his wife and daughter left Saturday morning prior to Ida's arrival, and as I type, my oldest granddaughter is safely asleep inland at her other grandparents' home. We hope and pray that all are safe and sound and that for my son and daughter-in-law, that their home is unscathed. I remain your obedient servant, G. Se- your obedient servant, G. Siegel. But he, he adds, there's a second email, New Orleans update, and I'm eager to uh, hear the result of that. Monday night, writes Dr. Siegel, my son and daughter-in-law's house had no major, da- no major damage, only minor water leaks. Their neighborhood was fortunate and all are healthy and safe best gary we're grateful for that gary thanks for uh, letting us know um thanks to everybody who wrote in and uh everybody who's listening and to uh producer denny gallagher rebecca would you like to thank anybody this is like an oscar speech now did we thank tom dick and harry yet we haven't all right well tom dick harry thank you and play us out Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. And 
androgynous ambiguous while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane